Welcome to a brand new episode of Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee from MTR, the network, Mastermind Teams, Robcast, and all of those great things. I'm kind of a big deal. I hope you realize it. Uh, so I want to welcome today's guest. Um, we have the owner of Be Willow, Liz Veda. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. <laughs> you got it right. I was going to say you didn't ask me how to pronounce my last name, but you got it. So, yeah. names names are good. I've been getting a lot better with names and it's funny. Um I've been interviewing so many different people and the names have kind of been just unique and all over the place, different vowels, yeah. different pronunciations. Uh-huh. And I've gotten really good. There's been a few that I was like, "All right, I'm going to butcher your name." I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. I mean, like like you know, common names like, "Oh, my name is Jackson." I'm like, "Why is there an accent over yeah. the though?" <laughs> Jackson. It's like, what is this? No, I'm, in, I'm impressed. Most people say like Vida or yeah, they just, most people are like, I have no idea. Sometimes people put an S on my name and they call me Roberts. So mm. yes, good old HBCUs. <laughs> uh, that's an experience that I had. I was like, is this, is this a thing? <laughs> so without much ado with, with that, um, I wanted to kind of get a bit of your background. So let's talk about B. Willow. Let's talk about your background. Let's talk about your story in Baltimore. I got some questions, but let's just give us the, uh, give us the general kind of rundown of B. Willow and what you're about. Yeah. Um, so I grew up up until age like 13 up in Hampstead, Maryland. So up in Carroll County, um, I started to live in Baltimore city at 13. So other than traveling and going away for college, I've been in Baltimore since I was about 13. Um, so I started my company be willow in 2014 um, finished college in 2005, finished grad school in 2012, um, 2013. And then after, um, after I finished grad school, I like, so in college I did psychology. Um, but towards the end of my junior year, I got really, really into environmental science and sustainability. Um, this was like 2008 ish. So, for me, that was really when like sustainability and climate change was really becoming um, something I was feeling very passionate about and just learning more about in school. Just kind of, you know, just becoming more of like a buzzword. Um, where I was in high school, it was just not really anything anyone talked about. So I really, I, I loved studying psychology. I'm such a people person. I love, um, you know, getting to know people. Um, so I gravitated towards psychology, I think. But when I studied abroad in New Zealand in my junior year, um, it was an environmental studies program. So I was just immersed in um, environmental studies in a way that I really had never been before. And I was like, oh, I wish I had majored in this. So um, during that program, it was awesome because if you know anything about New Zealand, the one thing that most people know is that they have beautiful, um, outdoor spaces. So, I mean, you have like black sand beaches and volcanoes and rainforests and, um, hot springs, you know, you literally can find everything in New Zealand. So it is just a wonderful place to study the environment. Um, it's also, um, just full of really interesting, um, history culturally since, um, the Maori indigenous peoples are very much still very, um, 
a high part of what society means over there. Not what society means. Mm -hmm. uh, they still play a really big role in the culture in New Zealand, whereas in America, you know, it is such a tragedy that we have um, really lost that. And you really have to find, you really have to seek it out, you know. Um, so one of the main things in that program was kind of philosophizing more so about nature. So what does nature mean to you? Um, how does nature play a role in your life? And up until that time, I mean, I had just never really thought about that. It wasn't something that I was really, um, you know, too concerned about. I think sure. in college, you're so much more concerned with social things and finding, you know, what you want to do with your life. And I, I just had never up until that age around 21 really thought about how privileged and lucky I was to grow up in a rural setting where I was free to play outside. Um, we had a plot of woods adjacent to our house and sure. I was just out there for hours. My parents had no idea what I was doing, but I was literally like digging in the dirt, um, climbing trees, just doing things that were, you know, so normal in terms of how our species has evolved and how children spent their time and, everyone spent their time was outside, you know, and yeah. in a blink of an eye, we've moved indoors. So, um, yeah. So thinking about the role of nature in my life at that age, I was like, Whoa, I like, haven't smelled these smells. I haven't like really reconnected to the environment since I was a kid. Um, so that just left a huge impression on me because, at that time, you know, I'm thinking so much about climate change and sustainability. And with my psychology background, I was like, well, how do we get people to even how do we get them to really want to affect positive environmental change if like we're just inside all the time and we're always on our phones, we're always using technology, which in a sense just reflects us straight back to ourselves, you know, like we're not outside getting those spontaneous organic um, central experiences from nature that we co-evolved with for thousands of years. Yeah. So um if we don't have that connection, how do we expect anyone to really give a shit, honestly? So when I finished college, I was like, that's my goal. I'm going to figure out some way to help reconnect people with nature. Because if we don't start there, like what hope do we have? You know, people just really need to feel that connection. So that was just like a guiding thought I had in my mind um, at that age. And so I did a master's in environmental science, thinking I was going to go into like urban greening, city sustainability development, something like that. Um, finished grad school was just like, I'm not finding anything. There's just really no jobs at the time, or I was just really bad at looking for them. <laughs> um, and being used to pretty small communities my whole life, my college was like a thousand students. My high school was about 60 students in each grade. Um, the thought of moving to like DC or a bigger city, I was just like, mm, I don't think that's for me. So I wanted to stay in Baltimore. My family's here. I'm the youngest of four. So I have lots of nieces and nephews and parents here. So I didn't really want to move. Um, so I, yeah, wasn't able to really find work and just thought, Hmm, what if I started to sell houseplants? You know, what if this was something that I could use like repurpose containers, go thrifting, find vessels to plant in and like start from there and hopefully do like classes and really like build it up to actually selling like full on floor plants and yeah. have a shop one day. So that was just the idea. And I started selling, um, like plants and 
repurposed little containers um, at Trove in Hamden. Um, so that was the first store that I kind of reached out to and was like, hey, would you be interested in stocking these? And Carmen from Trove was like, yes, this is awesome. I would love to stock these. So that's really where I got my start with it um, in a retail sense. And I think where we are now in terms of how excited people are about plants was just starting to kind of like unveil itself in Baltimore. Um, you know, there are really no other like specialty houseplant shops other than, let me turn my email off. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, there were really no other specialty houseplant shops. The only option was really Home Depot or, um, you know, a few other just like more so larger nurseries. Yeah. Um, so I was like, Hmm, maybe there's an opportunity here. Maybe I can actually do this and open one of the first plant shops in the city. And yeah, I think, like I was saying before, I think just because the inherent kind of love and joy that we all do have for nature was just starting to kind of become a little bit more apparent in the city. It just, caught on and kind of built upon itself really fast in a way that I never expected. And yeah, here we are. So it's, it's almost like, it's almost like the trappings of like in, in urban city. Uh, I remember, I think years back, maybe 10 years ago, I went to, I think maybe the Midwest or maybe the Southwest and just kind of seeing like what their situation was, open roads and vegetation and plant life and some green stuff and just their own natural settings there. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming back and the girl I was dating at the time, she was just like, why do you look so sad? I was like, cause it's freaking gray here. I was like, there's nothing here. And I think, and, and maybe this kind of ties into similarly what I think we're all kind of coming to now with COVID and stuff that, we're having like an awakening. I think I had an awakening coming back. I was like, we all kind of just sold this bill of goods. Like what is, we accepted this bill of goods rather. I was like, where, where's the green stuff at? And like I said, this is like 2011, 2012. It's like, where's this stuff at? This is not normal. That is just concrete and construction and asphalt and not like trees. And I think, and, and, and I definitely want your opinion on this. Like, I think with, some of the things that have gone on, at least at the very beginning um, of like this COVID kind of people need to be inside. You started seeing things kind of grow like a little bit of a rebound on certain things, wildlife popping. No, it's like, Oh, I haven't seen ducks over here. Why are ducks in my backyard? You know? And (laughs) what are your thoughts around like, just, I, I guess, what are your thoughts around like COVID from maybe a green life perspective and COVID and how your business is, has been during this last period of time. Like, what are your yeah. thoughts around that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think one big thing, obviously with people staying at home and just that being their new kind of status quo in terms of like what they're observing every day, I think the, the interest we saw very early on, and then especially when the first Donald dollars showed up, you know, was that people, people were like, hold on, my indoor space is like kind of lacking. And I really just, I know plants feel good. Let me just pop a few new plants in here. Um, to me, the biggest thing about plant care is observation. It's literally just, it's not necessarily like, Oh, I have a green thumb or I don't have a green thumb. It's, are you going to consciously like observe your plants and 
being forced to kind of spend, you know, not only a 40 hour work week, but then the rest of your life at your house, you're kind of given that opportunity to really just spontaneously observe your plants probably, you know, because you're already in that space. And the same goes with the outdoor vicinity right near your home too, you know, spending some time just, you know, maybe spacing out, looking out the window and noticing things that maybe you're not seeing because you're not really there. You're not spending as much time in that one space. So I think it's just, it's kind of been a natural thing for people to want to bring more plants inside and to also inherently start to really gain that sense of awe and wonder because you're noticing all the minute changes of your plants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, it's a totally different, um, time frame, you know, with the way plants grow and how we're so used to things moving at our speed, you know, yeah. immediate, immediate gratification. And with houseplants, it's like, Ooh, if I check this in the morning and maybe in the evening, I might notice a change. Or like, if I notice this today and I, remember to check tomorrow, I might notice a change. So it's like, unless you're willing to either, you know, make that conscious choice to observe your plants in that sense, or you're just spontaneously going to, because you're surrounded by it more so, um, yeah, you're, you're not necessarily going to notice it. And then the plant loses its animate quality. So that to me, I think has been really awesome because during COVID to know that people are getting more into houseplants because they're, they're seeing it as not just a commodity, not just an object, but something that they are starting to feel a little more connected with, um, because they're getting to know it on the plants, you know, time scale, not a human time, you know, um, on the, on the plants terms. Yeah. On the plants terms. Um, but like yeah, biography or something. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, COVID's been an an interesting time, I think, for a lot of small businesses, obviously. But for us, it's kind of like the ways in which we're hoping that people are benefiting from caring for their indoor plants, observing them, um, having those spontaneous central um, experiences with their plants is happening. You know, it's there's so much to say about COVID, I guess, but, um, but yeah, we've been, I've been immensely grateful just for the fact that people, you know, are for people who weren't necessarily into plants before COVID, um, and the people who were already into plants, we've just seen consistency. You know, we've seen people still showing up to buy plants, to have plants, you know, deliver to them to order online, you know? So I'm just so grateful because yeah, in a time like this, when it is so isolated and just difficult, you know, in so many levels, you know, whether you've lost your job, a loved one, um, you can go on and on about what could potentially be really depressing and, and hard and anxiety ridden about this time. And I can speak for hours about the healing properties of plants, you know, from a mental and physical wellness perspective. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. This is what we need. And we're kind of now forced to be inside or not necessarily forced to be inside, but we're forced to carve out new routines and new ways of, you know, how are we 
physically moving our body through, through the day, you know, when we're not getting our car, going to work, coming home, it's like, we need to get outside more, you know, it's, I think it's even more apparent now. So, and, and I actually have a question for that. I want to, I want to leave that towards the end because I think it's a, I think it's a good way to kind of sign out. But, um, so from a social media perspective, how do you think like social media has influenced the horticulture like industry? Mm, oh, hugely. I mean, yeah, people, I think plants are very photogenic. They, it's hard to take a picture of a plant and not have it look good. So I think people, people are, people love to share pictures of their plants in their home. You know, it's like a lot of people have a sense of pride about it. You know, I'm a plant mom, I'm a plant dad. Mm -hmm. Um, look at, you know, what I've, what I've nurtured and look how much it's grown. Um, so social media, I mean, it's like, it's huge because it's, there's, there's so many different ways that people are using it to show their love of houseplants. Um, and not only just like aesthetically showing, you know, one's plants in their home, um, there's a huge amount of information sharing that's happening too. So it's, you know, for us, we get, tons and tons of plant care questions every day in our Instagram DMs and on our email. Um, and there's also, you know, so people are like looking to us as a resource, which we love. And, um, that's kind of the type of business that I want to run is one that's very much education focused. Um, so you're getting people who are seeking knowledge and who are sharing information. So there's a lot of, you know, especially on Facebook, there are so many groups now that exist way more than in the past about, you know, have you guys seen this plant? Where can I find this plant? You know, have you seen this issue? Does anyone know what's going on with my plants? Yeah. It's just the dialogue is so much greater than it was previously. Um, but it's also interesting. We talk about this a lot and we were actually having this conversation at our staff meeting yesterday, which is the need to really explain the plant trade to the public because there are some, um, misunderstandings, I guess, about how plants are cultivated and, or like which plants that are like rare plants are things that you can realistically find. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting one because I think there's, there's a lot that we can still be doing to really help educate people on how plants are cultivated and thus how it affects their care, what you will expect to see um, them do um, as they grow and how that can deviate from like what a plant looks like fresh out of a greenhouse versus like what it's going to look like in your home. That's not a greenhouse. Um so it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, social media is great. I wouldn't be here. I don't think without social media, being able to give customers a direct view into what I'm doing, you know, it's huge. It, it, like when you were describing it, it sounded very similar to when someone is like, when you have a puppy and it's like, this is how they're going to be right now. Yeah. <laughs> Look at those paws. It's going to be enormous. I hope yeah. you're looking forward to this 200 pound dog or whatever yeah. that situation is. Um, exactly. So I have a few more questions um, and then I'll give you back the rest of your day. Cause this has been, this has been informative. This is probably the most informative um, interview I've done for this podcast. Um, cool. So I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but if you want to expound on it, please do. Why do you think some people may be intimidated by buying or owning plants? Hmm. Um, 
I think it's just because, you know, it's something that you really either, you know, either you have a, a parent or a family member who showed you how to take care of plants as you grew up and you were already familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And if you, if it's, not a common thing in your life if you haven't really been immersed into it. It, I mean, I remember when I first started to get into like larger floor plants, you know, it's just like, whoa, how, I don't know what this wants. I mean, I have no idea. And I think that that trepidation just comes from lack of experience, you know, because for me, I always compare it to cooking. I think this is like the best comparison. So like if you are cooking a meal and you don't really have experience with the effects of varying temperatures, um, the use of water, you know, how you can add or subtract water to change the end result, spices, um, you know, time, how long you're cooking something for. If you haven't experimented with all of those different factors, then, you know, your meal may not turn out how you ideally want it to. But as you continue to kind of experiment and realize, Ooh, wow. If I like cook that a little, um, like longer at a higher temperature, I will get the result that I want. It's the same with plants because like, not only are, you know, you can get the same species cultivated in different ways. For example, you can put that plant in one person's home, which has a much drier condition. You know, it's way less humid than someone else who gets the same plant and puts it in their home. So it's like, you have all of these different potential factors, which go into how your plant will thrive or not thrive. So. I think that intimidation is rightful, you know, because it's like, if you don't, if you haven't started to, you know, care for plants, then it's, it's a foreign concept. You know, it's not something that we necessarily all grow up immersed in. So, you know, I've, like I said, I experienced that trepidation earlier on before I really had any plants in my home. Um, and now it's like, okay, well, because I have experienced, experience and I know sort of the effect of various factors on my plants, I can make more educated like guesses as to what my plant needs and where to put my plant, how often to water it. You know, it's, it just, it it comes down to science, you know, it's, it's being able to know how to use the elements, light, water, nutrients. It's, you know, it's just experience <laughs> experience having the foundation having those experiences and it's, it's interesting you described it to be very similar to like cooking and that process and i'm a foodie guy i'm a kitchen guy and uh now that having it explained and compared in that way it now resonates for me a lot better and yeah. um so yeah that's that's good and, and thank you for that um yeah. so have you been to the rollins conservatory and if so what is your favorite exhibit Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been going there for a very long time. My mom loves going there. So it's somewhere that we've been to together a ton. And I live just on the other side of Druid Hill Park. So it's really close to where I live as well. So I get over there. Haven't in quite a while since COVID, but um, which makes me wonder if they are back open. Um, But yeah, I mean, it is it's hard to pick one area in there that is my favorite. the palm room is obviously pretty prolific. I don't know if you remember when one of the palms was like poking out of the top, they had to like open a window. Um, that was, yeah, that was a memorable moment. Um, I also really love there's, um, like a Talancia air plant wall. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I love that. I mean, those are to me, some of the most fascinating plants. Um, and I think the way they have it all displayed is, is just gorgeous, but, um, yeah, it's hard to pick a favorite. I mean, people ask me what my favorite plant is all the time. And it's like, they are, any plant can be just as fascinating as another plant, you know, and it's just neat to, to learn about their natural environment and, you know, how they grow. So yeah, I just, I, I'm so grateful that we have that in the city. It's one of the oldest, um, in the country, you know, so that's really neat to, to have in Baltimore and really special. So yeah, we, one of my older employees, he used to work there and yeah, it was just, it was really neat to kind of learn from him a little bit more about behind the scenes and yeah, it's just a beautiful, beautiful spot. That's great. And here's my last question. Uh, and, um, this is, this is maybe a little like for me, kind of, um, (laughs) so, so just two to three indoor plants that someone can, you know, that someone can bring a little bit more nature into their lives. Your, your two or three suggestions. Um, I mean, I'm hoping to hear Venus flytrap because I feel like it's metal, but I don't know. Uh, so spin it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say Venus flytraps just because they are, a little trickier and by trickier, I just mean needier. So Hmm. they like to be kept in pretty much like soggy conditions, like marshy bog like conditions. So full, full sun and really, really wet. So if you can do both of those things, you can safely take care of a Venus flytrap. Um, but when I'm asked this question, I usually recommend a few different families of plants. Um, and all of these share similar properties. So they are adaptable to low light levels or bright light levels, even potentially some direct sun. Um, they are drought tolerant. So the leaves and the stems and, uh, root systems are thicker, bulkier. So they store more water. Um, so they don't wilt overnight. You know, no plant really wilts overnight and needs watering every day, but, um, they can go for quite a long time, like up to a couple weeks, potentially longer than that with, uh, without being watered. Um, so yeah, three different families I'd recommend are the Dracaena or Dracaena. Mm-hmm. Um, there are tons of different species within that family that we carry pretty regularly. Um, Sansevieria, so that's snake plant family. Mother-in-law's tongue is another common name. Um, <laughs> super hardy. Um, and Aglonema, so those are commonly known as like a Chinese evergreen. So they're all different. They all have very different textures and shapes. So I think combining those three families, you can really get a nice diversity of different looking plants. Um, the catch with them, the Aglonema family does grow faster than the other two, but you know, it depends. It depends if you want if you want to see a lot of change in your plants quickly, um, then I would go for more like vining tropicals like pothos or vining philodendrons. Um, cause they're going to grow a little faster, uh, and they're still going to be just as resilient as the others, but will require a little more frequent watering. So I, I just, what I love about having this shop and being able to interact with customers, um, is kind of breaking down that fear that people do have about a plant, you know, because we, we often, you know, when people are checking out, we're like, do you have any care questions? And a lot of times people are like, Oh yeah, actually, what do you, 
what are your tips for this plant? And we could be like, cool, we can tell you exactly what to do. So it's really like, as long as you have that recipe, so to speak of what the plant needs, then like, as long as you don't forget to do it, then you'll be okay. So, but yeah, those, those families I think are really good to start with just so yeah, they don't, they're not overly needy, I guess. So now I know where to get plants at because I had a, um, a really sad experience with a bonsai and a bromeliad and I haven't had plants since. So Uh now Um, the goal is to get some plants inside. So I gleaned something from you. I'll be heading (laughs) over there to procure some plants. Sounds good. We're here. So that's all. Um, I want to thank you for coming on. Do you have any social media, any shameless plugs? I like to use this last few minutes for shameless plugs for the guest, social media, your website address, all of that stuff. Yeah. So we are on Instagram. We are B Willow BMO short for Baltimore. Um, we are on Facebook. If you just search B Willow, we'll pop up. Bwillow.com is our website. Um, sign up for our mailing list. We send out pretty regular discounts, um, exclusive to our mailing list. So you can do that right on our website. Um, we have a plants on wheels event. So we have a delivery van, <laughs> which we are picking up tomorrow morning from Baltimore graphics company. Cause we finally got it wrapped, which I'm really excited about. And it's kind yeah. of a big milestone, something I've wanted to do for ever. Um, so we're doing sort of like a spin on a food truck, but it's plants in our van. So we're selling, selling plants and doing a little repotting table. So that's happening next Saturday at Whitehall mill. And we are booking those throughout October before it gets too cold to have your plants outside. Um, which I shouldn't say, cause it's starting to get pretty good. <laughs> it's starting to get cold overnight. So you don't really want to keep your plants overnight but um yeah anyway that's pretty much how to find us so yeah um i'm gonna do my wrap up and then that'll be that um so i want to thank you liz for coming on this has been great this has been informative and i want to thank you for listening folks i hope you've been uh planted here for this podcast that was ridiculous. I'm sorry. That was really corny. Um, so um, for Liz Veda, I'll be Willow. I'm Rob Lee uh, saying there's art in and around Baltimore. Uh, you just have to look for it. Mm-hmm.